friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so excited that you're here with us today. Every week, I invite a girlfriend to join me on the show, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. One of the sponsors for this week's episode is Kurt Felsman and his debut EP, Majesty and Mystery. You guys know that I love worship music. My husband's a worship leader. And so today I want to tell you about Kurt Felsman's new EP, Majesty and Mystery. Kurt's been leading people in corporate worship for nearly 20 years, and it's hard to see people experience the goodness and glory of God. His debut EP called Majesty and Mystery is both beautifully and biblically crafted for a worshipful listening experience. Majesty and Mystery contains a collection of powerful songs designed to be sung. With soaring melodies and beautifully crafted musical elements, Majesty and Mystery will draw the listener's heart into worship. His new EP is available on iTunes and all major music retailers. Also, make sure you check out his website, KurtFelsman.com. Follow him on Facebook at Kurt Felsman Music and at K Felsman on Instagram and Twitter. For the next few weeks, he's going to be giving away copies just for you Happy Hour listeners. So make sure to follow and comment with the Happy Hour tag, hashtag and tag a friend on his post. You won't be sorry for adding this new EP into your worship playlist. Guys, today you're listening to episode number 77, and my guest is someone that I met last year at the Influence Conference, and I was immediately struck by her story. Retha and I chat about being mamas to 12-year-old boys, and then she shares the journey of her husband being in a coma for almost two years before he passed away. It was an honor to hear her story and her heart for God and how he is directing her path, even though at sometimes it didn't make sense and seemed crazy, and you're going to hear all about the craziness as she tells her story. Before we get into the conversation with Rita, I'd love to ask you guys a favor. Would you be so kind as to share about the happy hour over on Instagram? You've heard me say before that Instagram is my most favorite social media. I love it so much. And so I'd love to see you share about the show there. Use the hashtag happy hour with Jamie Ivy and tell your friends why you love it or where you're listening or whatever you want to about the show. You sharing about the show helps us get more listeners. And I always say that more people at the happy hour than the better. All right, guys, here is my conversation with Rita. Hi, Rita. Welcome to the happy hour. Hi, Jamie. I'm so excited to be here. We've been trying to do this for a while. Yes. And things keep happening, which is life, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, like every time it's just like if it wasn't you, it was me. And then I feel bad. You feel bad. It's just like, forget it. We know life happens. Life happens. I just got an email this morning from someone who I was supposed to interview today as well. And she's like, my daughter's vomiting. And I'm like, (laughs) I get it. Oh, my gosh. This is life. (laughs) Yeah, it just it's just easier. And even today I was I was like, oh, I need to run to the bank before I do this. And so at 930, I'm in the car and I was like, oh, crap. I got to hurry up and it's raining. And I was just like, I'm done. Uh, uh, Okay. Well, I want you to tell everybody just real quick where you live, what you do and all that kind of fun stuff. All right. So I am Letha Nicole and I am a mom of three boys. I live in a little small town in Alabama. Um, It's near Birmingham. So most of the time I say I live in Birmingham, but I really don't. I live in Springville, Alabama which is a little small, small town. And my kids go to that little elementary school, like from my house to the school is four minutes. Like it's just it's it. really, really a small town. Um, I used to own a bakery here in Springville. It's the only bakery in town. And um, so that's what I did when we first moved here. And um, now I am officially at home because that's the season that God has called me into. So love it. Love it. Yeah. And we met um, this fall yep. in person Influence. 
at the influence. Yes, I was trying to remember which place it was. And yes, and I remember standing out in the hall talking to you. And I think you had green pants on. Is that true? No, orange pants. There you orange go. pants. Because I remember it being like you stood out. And now that I think about it, you went to the University of Texas. I did. And so that I remember this. Yep, I had on orange pants. And that's what I said, because, you know, you're from Austin. Not everybody would be like that. But I was like, I have on orange pants because Texas is playing today. Not that I wear orange pants all the time, but I just thought that's how you'll know me because it was so many people. Yeah. And, you know, Texas fans, they put on their burnt orange and then they can find each other. That's right. We love some football. Uh, now, you love football, right? I love football. I love it. Like literally on Saturdays right now, I'm just like, what What would we do with our day? There's no football on. No college game day. I know. Any. No, I love college game day. and But I do love college basketball as well. So I do oh, put that okay. on on Saturdays. And we, you know, we just moved. And now for the first time ever, we have two living areas. We've never had that. And so forever, my kids have hated their life. Like they live such a torturous life, right? <laughs> on Saturdays, because all mom wants to do is watch sports. But now we have two TVs. So... Oh, nice. I like have control of the main one on Saturdays and mm-hmm. there are always sports on and they can do whatever they want, you know? Yeah, we have two. We have kind of the same, a downstairs living area and then an upstairs. And so, yeah, they can do their own thing. But now they, I have boys, so they love mm-hmm. sports. Yeah. So they don't mind the yeah. watching. But now your kids don't play. Uh, three football, of my kids. Right? No, one of my kids plays football. Uh, oh. One football and baseball. One plays soccer and my daughter plays softball. And then my oldest, who... It's just, this is so funny, like this nature versus nurture thing. Our oldest is our only biological, and he does not like any sports, and he is into music, the arts, and he is playing saxophone, and he is just like his daddy. And so it's so funny that, like, Aaron and I created together this son. I love sports. Aaron loves the arts, and he loves the arts. The arts. Yeah. And then our other kids um, are kind of into sports more, so... It's kind of funny, you know, I just, well, we just best of both. yeah, we let them do their thing, you know, and it's just what they like. And so there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have so much that I want to talk to you about. Let me tell you all the things I want to hit with you today. First of all, we okay. both have a 12 year old son. And so we need to commiserate on what's going on in their world right now. Mm. Um, second, you're turning 40. Yay. Yay. I love that. I just the other day was telling some girlfriends, I'm about a year and a half away from 40 and I don't think I'm scared of it at all. And I think I want to celebrate in kind of the way that you told me you want to celebrate. I also want to talk about you being intentional with your family. And I want to talk about the big story that you told me about when we first met. The, um, the first time was about when your husband passed away. So that's where I want to go today. Are you ready? Right, I'm ready. All right. Let's start here. 12-year-old boys. So, <sighs> you know, look, I, I don't know what, what is even happening in my world. <laughs> Just, I mean, I just don't even know. He is, he just turned 12 last Thursday. And so, I, you know, he's such a good kid and he has such a loving heart. But what I can't take, because I didn't think I would have this, uh-huh. because he's a boy, uh-huh. is the one day he's like loving, happy, mm. can I get a hug five times? And then the next day he's like, are you touching me? Moody. Like, oh, Hormonal, yes. Yes. And my, yeah, I, mean, so, I wasn't ready for that. I'm with you as well. Like, I'll tell you this just the other day, I was tucking in my 12 year old and he like didn't want anything or need anything. Cause I kind of questioned his motives here, but he just looked at me and he said, mom, you're so beautiful. And I was like, 
what? And he goes, no, really, you're so beautiful. And I was like, what do you want? What do you need? He's like, nothing. But you're right. And then the next, you know, the next morning he's running his mouth acting a fool, you know? And it's like, who are you? 12-year-old boys. Yeah. Which I've heard that 12-year-old boys, now I don't know if you've heard this, I've heard that boys in middle school can be a little bit like this, but they come back around. Like they yes. come back around to loving their mamas and acting normal. Yes, I heard that. Um I, I was reading something and I heard that they do come back about 15, 16. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know. So you I get a few years, life. a few good years in before they leave the nest. Yeah. Which yeah, I, I could just say- start crying thinking about that anyways. Oh, don't even. I cried when he turned 12 because I felt like we were getting close. Yeah, six years, to- Rita. Six. Oh, yeah, can can you believe it? I know. Mm-mm, I'm not ready it's because I, I just, I love my boys so hard and I just, I can't even imagine yeah. now 12 and then your next child is what? Eight. Uh, 10 and a half and then 10 and then eight. So mine are kind of boom, boom, boom. Whereas yeah, okay, you so- have a long space before you do this again. I mean, you have one a couple of years, but then you have a three-year-old. Yes. Yeah. So you get to, that. you get to do this again in a while. Yes. Yeah. So let me just tell you this. So we were talking, um, my mother and I, and so we'll talk about my husband in a minute, but we, you know, I I do hope that I'm able to get married again. I love love and all of that. Mm -hmm. And so my mom said, I I get it. I get it that you love love, but do you think you'll have more kids? And I was like, Oh, you know, I don't know. And, um, I have this adoption thing kind of tugging at my heart. And then, um, she did the math Uh for me. (laughs) <laughs> so she said, this is how old you'll be when they graduate high school? She said, well, just so you know, you know, do whatever you want. But when DJ, who's my 12-year-old, when he is 21, Brayden, who's my three-year-old, will be 12. I was like, what? Oh, oh no, my gracious. Is that good math, mommy? Or is that some mommy math? You're like, gonna what have, is that? You're going to have kids for a long time, which is great. Oh. It's going to keep you young. Yeah, yeah. Keep, keep saying you that over yeah. again. Okay, so... You told me um, when I saw when I met you at the Influence Conference about your husband passing away, and I was I remember talking to you and listening to you and being completely blown away by your story. Um, and I would love for you to tell us about it. So, Darius and I um, met on eHarmony, which I always say that because it does work, and you know you just have to do the work and. You, but so I love that part of our story. But um, so we met on eHarmony. I at the time lived in Atlanta. Which, which would you do I, eHarmony again now? You say you're wanting to love again. No. Okay. All right. I was just curious. <laughs> <laughs> After I gave them that plug. Yeah. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> but Don't it worked for that. you then. There's That's what you're saying. Yeah. So we met on eHarmony and we dated long distance for a year because I lived, um, in Atlanta, which is where I, um, lived from high school, from freshman year in high school, all the way till I went back to Texas for college. So we met, dated, and then, um, got married. I moved to Alabama with my two boys and we were married for a year and two months. And he went into a coma. A year and two months. And so you need to tell us also this three-year-old. So I was pregnant. Yeah, yeah. When he went into um, the coma, I was pregnant. And so a lot of people always ask, 
um, was he sick or anything like that? And so, no, I mean, he was younger than me. So um, at the time that he went into the comedy, he was 33. He, um, Darius had sickle cell. Mm-hmm. And so he um, was, he had had a sickle cell crisis, like, and it's just, I don't know if anybody knows about sickle cell, but it's a blood disease and it's, he's in, it was in a lot of pain. So and can you tell so, me, I have a question about sickle cell actually right now. Is there, is it a, something that you have that is, you cannot get rid of? Right. Okay. And you're born with it? Yes. Okay. I know that some of my kids were um, tested for that. Yeah. Do, do they have it? No, no. no. Trait? Do they no. even have the trait? No. Oh, it's really good because see, I have the trait. Uh-huh. So these are things you don't know when you meet someone, right? Oh, and you, yeah. And you fall in love. And so Darius Did you had know the, you had the trait? hmm Okay. So I knew I had the trait, but I don't know. I mean, that's just not like you meet someone and fall in love and you don't say, hey, by the way, I have six. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. Technically, we should not have had children because the chances of our child having the disease are greater Mm. um, than because he has the disease and I have the trait. Anyway, Mm. miraculously, and I don't mean that in any stretch of being funny, Brayden, our son who we had, has neither. Wow. I mean, that truly is. Yeah, um, no, that's what I'm saying. I don't mean it by like being funny. I mean, that is truly like my mother was um, very nervous mm-hmm. about that when I said I was pregnant. She, and even when I said I was going to have children, um, she was like, oh, man, it just made her really nervous because mm-hmm. it's not a fun disease to have at all. When and you, you know have- what? It's also not very, not very um, known about. I mean, maybe that's because, I, I mean, am I correct that this is something that only African-Americans can carry? The- it's predominantly an African-American disease. Yes. So is that why yeah. me as a white person is not very informed about it? Right. Okay. Yes. But I, I don't think, and, and it's one of those to me that's quiet as even among African-Americans. Cause that's if you don't I have it, thought. You, just, yeah. you know, you just don't know. Yeah. Um, so we, so he had had a crisis and, um, when you and say that, the, what do you mean? I'm sorry. He was in a lot of pain. So um, the way that my mom always explained it to me is that it's called sickle cell because the blood cells form a sickle shape. Mm. And, you know, typically they are, um, you know, just a regular round shape and then they form the sickle shape and it hurts um, for the blood to continue to pass through. So he had that. And so he was in a lot of pain. And so we went to the doctor and, um, um, they gave him some pain medicine because it was really, really bad. And then um, the next, I went to take the kids to school and then I came back and um, he was sleeping and um, his mom was there mm-hmm. and she said he just dozed off to sleep because he was waiting for you. They say as soon as the nurses do the shift change, we can, um, he'll be discharged and we can go. So I said, oh, okay, well, it was like eight. So I was like, well, the shift change happened an hour ago. So let me go check. So I go to the nurse's station and I see our nurse um, and she said, oh yeah, Dr. Robbins forgot to sign one paper and he's going to fax it over and then you guys will be ready to go. So I said, okay. So I walk back to the room and I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. Did I say that already? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm how far along are you? Five and a half months. Okay. So I'm five and a half months pregnant and I walk back to the room and, um, his mom has kind of dozed off too. So I just sit down in the chair and I'm waiting. And so, um, like 
9.27. I'm waiting, but I'm on my computer because at that time we were planning the bakery. Mm. Um, Darius and I were planning. So I was looking at some stuff online and I had my computer and I looked at the clock and it was 9.27. And for the first time in my life, I heard, like heard an almost audible voice. And the only reason I say almost, Jamie, is because I know people... I struggle with that. Like I know people believe like they never heard God and some people believe you can. And so that's my own personal struggle. But for me, I believe that I heard God say he's getting ready to stop breathing. So Darius snored like a freight train. Okay. So he's snoring, but I get up and I just go over to the bed and, and then I think, I'm crazy. Like I need some more sleep. Mm-hmm. This whole being pregnant thing. Cause I was really sick. Um, it's just wearing me out. So I do like a half turn to go back to my seat and, um, sit down and wait. And I hear, and that was it. Mm. Like, like I heard that noise and I turn around and sure enough, no snoring, no chest going up and down, not breathing, not breathing. And I, um, and I scream and then in like seconds, I'm doing so much stuff that just doesn't really make sense. Like I'm trying to let the bed down and we're in a hospital, but I'm going to do CPR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that works. Mm-hmm. So like I'm doing so much crazy stuff and his mom is like in a trance. She's not moving. Like freaked then, out, freaked out yeah. by what's happening. Yeah, she's not moving. And so, um, I, you know, I don't know, in like a couple of seconds, um, they come running into the room because I'm screaming, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm screaming. He's not breathing. I'm saying that really loud. And so they come in um, to the room really fast. And, and then, you know, his mom and I are pacing in the hall and, um, and I'm crying. And, and so um, they have to do the whole charges chest thing. Um, and so they did that with those uh, pads, pads. Mm-hmm. They did that twice. And, um, and you and were not in the room for all of this, correct? Standing right at the door. Okay. Standing right at the door. And, um, and I'm standing right at the door and I'm calling my mom. Um, and I'm not even making full sentences. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the crazy funny thing about my mother is she's not a crier and she doesn't, she's, she's pretty even kill all the time. And so she just does what she knows to do. She doesn't get all emotional when you are all emotional. She's always the cool headed person. So she hangs up on me like three times, mm-hmm. like three times. She just kept hanging up. And she said later, you were making no sense. And I got the part that I needed. He's mm-hmm. not breathing. Right. And I, you know, I didn't need to keep hearing you scream. Mm-hmm. And so um, they get him um, back up breathing, you know, and, and they cheer and then he crashes again. Jeez. And um Can you see what's going on or just hear? Oh, I can see it. I'm standing right at the door. And so what I mean, I can try to imagine what that was like, but I mean, what was that like watching literally them try to get your husband back to life? I thought he was gonna die. Huh. I thought this is it. And how could this be it? Like I I went, I thought so many things. I thought, this is it. This, what is happening? Like it was blowing my mind. And, um, 
and there's two nurses outside with me because I'm five and a half months pregnant. Yeah, so and now they're worried about you. So they are like, there's a room across from him that's empty, you know, so they're trying to get me to go in that room and they're trying to get me to sit down and, um, and, and, and they're trying everything and, and I see something there. I mean, it's full on people in that room and they're putting tubes in him and they're shocking him and it just... It was just the craziest thing ever. And then the second time um, they get him back up and then run. Um, We ran um, to ICU. Mm. And um, the hardest part is, and, and I know that there's nothing that they can change about this, but it just, I think that people should, people in the medical profession should just know how hard this is. And I know that they're like, there's nothing we can do because we are trying to save, save your family members. So you, it's really not about you at this point, but Mm -hmm. the hardest part was once we ran to ICU, they made me wait outside. Yeah. You can't go in. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I literally felt like I waited in that waiting room forever. I mean, forever. And time-wise, um, it was probably about 90 minutes. And were you, I, I often, I'm, I'm weird like this and I don't think it's, I don't think this is okay to do this, but I often wonder what I will be like in a situation like this. Cause let's be honest, life is hard and life throws yeah. these things at you and the chances of this happening to me or anyone else that's listening are greater than they should be. Right. I often wonder if I would be the calm freaker outer or the crazy freaker outer. What were you? Um, because You know, it's so weird. I am typically a crier. Like I cry at movies and, you know, the Folgers commercial Mm -hmm. and, you know, all of that. I'm typically a crier. Um, So I thought that I would be hysterical, but I just was silent. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just a silent cry, just a constant cry, but just silent. I I didn't have words. And I'm a talker too. Mm -hmm. I'm an extrovert and I'm a talker a share and I love all of that. And, um, and there was nothing to say. Nope. And there so, was nothing I wanted anyone to say to me. Mm. Who was with you in those 90 minutes? His, his mom. mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His mom. It was just his mom and I, and, mm-hmm. um, and she is, um, typically quiet. Mm-hmm. And so she, she was quiet. Yeah. And so we just were quiet and they didn't put us in, the regular waiting room, um, they had this with at this hospital, a prayer room. And so we were alone in mm-hmm. there. And, um, and the only thing that his mom did that was audible was she, every so often she would pray mm. out loud, but we were, um, silent for those 90 minutes. And then, um, after the 90 minutes, um, I went in the room by myself. She did not even want to. Um, she did not want to. Hmm. She didn't want to for a while. It took her. Um, it took her a couple of hours because she'd seen the same thing you had seen. Do that. And that's yeah, your baby. She had seen the same thing that I had seen, and then two years prior, she had just buried her husband. Oh, okay. Um, he had a long battle with cancer, and so 
Um, it just, it, you know, it was tough for her. Mm-hmm. And that is her baby. Darius was one of five and he was her baby. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, saying this out loud, it will be no surprise to his family, but he was her favorite. Mm. Um, and she said that, you know, she joke and say that all the time. So, yeah. So after that, it was. Um, so 90 minutes, you go into the room with him and what was the diagnosis? What were they telling you? What was happening? Um, so after the 90 minutes, they say that I can come in. And, um, at this point, um, I think maybe because I was pregnant, they had, um, the nurse, like the nurse manager, not just the charge nurse, but the, I guess all a nurse manager. I don't know. Anyway, she was there. Um, and I remember her so vividly. She had such a sweet spirit is why I remember her. But she was there. She came to get me. And they had two other nurses. And um, that that room was like nothing I've ever seen. And what do you mean? At that point. Um, it, it, there was just too many machines mm, in there. It's just, it was so much. And um, he was on a ventilator and um, they had all kind of IVs going and it was pretty crazy. And, um, and so I did the thing that I don't know. I didn't know anything else to do, but climb into the bed. Mm. And so that's what I did. So I you climbed. climbed into the bed with your husband. Mm-hmm. I stood there for a little bit and then I just climbed into the bed um, with him and cried. Wow. And I just, I just climbed into bed and cried. And, um, looking back on that, I think I, I still probably would have done that. And I commit, you know, every time I think about those nurses, I just say a prayer for them because I can almost bet you they didn't want me to do that. <laughs> I was actually just thinking the same thing. I've been in an ICU room and they're pretty like strict about what goes on in there. Yeah, that is not. That is I, not and... usually looked upon as you can get in the bed with someone that's in ICU. So do you think they just looked and saw this is a woman who is grieving over her husband. This is traumatic. Let's let her be. Yeah, I think that um, there were a couple of factors that played into that. One, we um, are young for that to happen. Mm. Um, Darius was 33 when this happened. Um, I was pregnant, visibly pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was in an instant, our life changed. Right. I mean, you were about to be discharged. Yeah. I mean, we were waiting and praise God you hadn't been discharged. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, you know, through all of that, they just said, okay. And then you know, not that they know me, but I think that you kind of can get a vibe from a person. And I mean, Jamie, you know, there's, there's a lot of things you're just not going to tell me no to. (laughs) My husband is in the bed. I'm getting in bed with him. (laughs) I mean, there are just some things that's just not going to happen. Yeah. So I just, and you know, and tears, I, I think, you know, the crying was a bit much and they were like, how do we, what do we, how do we say no to this? Mm -hmm. How do we tell her to get up? How do we do that? And what, what would we want? Tell her no and get in a chair and hold his hand. Like, right. that's what I look at too, you know, cause my mom came, um, later that day and I was still in the bed mm-hmm. and um, a little background. My mother, um, is a nurse. And, um, so 
for her, she was kind of like, yeah. <laughs> We're going to need to get you up out of this bed <laughs> so we can take <laughs> care of the patient. <laughs> when when she came in, I was asleep in the bed. And so, um, of course, I got out and I cried and hugged her and all of that. And so then I kind of went to get back in. And so she was like, hey, let's talk about that. Let's, let's <laughs> <laughs> You had your time. You had your, yeah. you had your. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Oh, man. So this started a journey for you guys. I mean, what was the diagnosis? What happened? Um, what did they say led to this? Tell us about that. Yeah. So they could never figure that out. Still, you don't have um, an answer. Still, we do not have an answer um, to that true medical side diagnosis. We don't. They can't figure out why his heart just stopped like that. And um Later that evening, after every doctor comes in um, and sees you, and we had four um, that came in, and the um, worst was the neurologist who said, now, he comes in, and this is maybe five hours after the um, mm-hmm. he stopped breathing, and he comes in, and he's really just this is my job. So Mm -hmm. this is what I have to tell you. Mm -hmm. And so he says, um, I, I'm very sorry for what you're going through. Um, but what I need you to do is to begin to make arrangements because this, he will not last, um, in after three days. Mm. And, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think it was the way that he said it mm-hmm. that made me go a little cray. Mm-hmm. But um, at that moment, I just, I had not spoken. You know, I hadn't said many mm-hmm. words at all. And so I just let him have it. Mm. And he probably didn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. And so um, probably about eight months into the coma, I saw him again um, in the hospital. And, and I apologized. And he said to me that that helped him. So mm. don't apologize because he, um, some of the things I said to him was, what if I was your wife, mm. mm-hmm. your demeanor, your way. You this, said that in that moment, in when, that you went, moment. when you, when you went cray on him, <laughs> I went a little cray on him. Um, some of the things I said was, was your mom, was your mom in there? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she was not, <laughs> it wasn't that she wasn't happy, but my mom is, always politically correct, Jamie. She has never said a curse word uh-huh. in my entire life. Uh-huh. 
Um, if she so you just, lo- I mean, day, she would. you just lost it because here's your husband, um, uh, you know, three hours, you know, whatever, six hours ago, you were about to go home. And now a man walks in and said, you have three days. He's going to die. Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, and I hadn't said anything. So really, you know, looking back on that and I said this to him, I kind of lost it on God. Not mm. on, you know, and you just was, happened to be the mouthpiece right there. That, you the, just happened yeah. to be the one talking mm-hmm. to me. You know, no one else was talking to yeah. me. So. Yeah. So, so yeah, our journey was a year and nine months. So this is, we, we, you just said, you just dropped a bomb on us when you just said eight months later, when my husband's still in a coma, I saw him, which means a couple of things to me, which means he didn't die three days later. And which means you had a baby with your husband in the coma. Yes. So we spent the, uh, it happened September 27th. We were discharged from the hospital, um, December the 5th and, um, with your husband in a coma. Yes. I don't understand that. That was a decision that I made. He, um, they, at that point, medically, they felt like they've done all he can do. He's going to be in this space until something else happens. Until he dies. Is that what they were saying? Um, or basically, yeah, they would there... not say it to me because I believed that he would wake up. And they saw what happened the last time someone said it to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I believed he would wake up. So they wouldn't say it to me. So they suggested that we go to um, a rehab facility, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, nursing home, hospice, any of those. Mm-hmm. Those were my choices. And so I said, oh, I want to go home. Okay. Yep. I want to go home. Can I ask a stupid question? Mm-hmm. Can you explain to me? what it is like when someone is in a coma that you bring to your house. Cause I think when I think coma, I think medical TV shows I've seen, they're hooked up to all kinds of stuff, sleeping, look like sleeping, all kinds of stuff. What does that look like to bring your husband home to your home in a coma? It looks just like that. Just like that. Okay. Yeah. So we, um, so I chose to go home. And so then they set everything up the hospital, um, put you with a caseworker and, Mm -hmm. um, they set everything up. There's home health, you know? Mm -hmm. So they bring out a hospital bed, IV poles, um, you know, you get all of your medicines. Um, Walgreens has that type of, um, facility, not like a, they have like a home health pharmacy. Mm -hmm. So basically you're taking the hospital room that he's in and just bringing it to your house because there's no need for him to be in a hospital room. He can be at home. Yep. Got it. And I felt like at that point, um, I was on the edge, uh, um, really. I was juggling um, being there for my kids and um, being there for them and then racing to the hospital mm-hmm. while they're at school, spending all my time there and then coming um, to get them and coming home. I mean, um, initially you know, my nanny was still doing all of that because the other side to this is we lived a pretty good life. Um, meaning that we, um, had just moved into the house of our dreams in July. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we live in this big house and we have, um, I think at that time we had four or five cars. Why? Mm -hmm. Because you can only drive one at a time. Right. So we had that and we have a nanny and we have a housekeeper and we, we live all of that. Um, and, and there is no Jesus in that. Let me just say that because I, I was going to ask you if, cause I know that you're a Christ follower now. I was going to ask you where you were when this happened in September. 
Yeah, no Jesus in that. I mean, we both grew up in the church. And um, if you asked us, we would say, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Because we, we grew up that way. But if you look at our life, um, then you would know. I mean, we probably, we were what we call CME members, which means we go to church on Christmas, Mother's Day and Easter. Got it. Mm -hmm. Um, And we, um, you know, we just, we didn't, um, we both had Bibles. Don't remember when the last time we read them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we just, you know, that's where we were. And um, and so, so did Darius getting sick, do something, change something in your life as regard to Jesus? Immediately. Immediately. Like okay. in an instant, mm-hmm. in an instant. Um, I spent two weeks at the hospital, um, with my nanny, bringing the kids up there. I just felt like I couldn't leave. And finally, um, my mother said, okay, so here, we're getting ready to have a hard conversation. Let's go. We went to the cafeteria in the mm-hmm. hospital mm-hmm. and she said, this doesn't work this does not work. You cannot, you, you, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. Your children deserve you and they need you. And so you have to leave this place. Mm -hmm. We can figure out a schedule and you have to, uh, my mother is and has always been a Christian. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm talking about every Sunday at 9am, my phone would ring and she would say, are you going to church? She loves Jesus. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so she would say, you, this is the time. This is the time for you to trust God. You, you are not in control and you must leave this hospital and begin a new life. Now, does that new life involve your husband being in a coma and it's not, it's going to take some getting used to and you're going to mm-hmm. have to do some things differently? Yes. Sure. Children, they need more than just seeing you here in this space. Mm-hmm. So that was tough. And I did that. So I juggled that for, you know, until then. And then I opted to bring him home. And so we brought him home December the 5th and we, um, my mom came back and, um, Darius's mom was there. And so we got him all home, everything straight, all him in the bed, all of that in our downstairs guest room, because I wanted him to be in the master, which now hindsight, great idea that I didn't do that. But anyway, um, we couldn't do that because of the way the stretcher and making Mm -hmm. it up the stairs and all that. So, um, when we got him all straight and situated, I told my mom, I said, I don't really feel good. I'm going to lay down. Now I was supposed to be on bed rest anyway. Oh gosh. Uh, When we got towards the end of November, they were like, Hey, so we're going to have to put you on bed rest because you're, if you have too much life stuff going on and the baby's trying to come. And so Mm -hmm. I was also juggling that. So I went upstairs to lay down and um, got up about an hour later and I told my mom, I think it's time to have the baby. No. He was due. He was due um, Christmas. Um, and so she was like, okay. And I always, the funny thing is that I say um, all the time that my mom is like, oh my gosh, like loves coffee. Because I said to her as she was drinking her coffee, I came downstairs, it was probably like, six o'clock PM. And I said, Hey, are you tired? And she was like, uh, no, I mean, I just brought a man home from a coma, but uh-huh. you know, I'm not tired. What's up? And so I said, I think it's time to have the baby. And she was like, Oh, okay. Okay. Are, are you telling me this is the exact day your husband came home? He came home December the 5th and he came home about noon. And at six o'clock, my mom and I got in the car 
and went to the hospital. This is too much. And I had Brayden this... December the 6th at 8 a.m. This is too much. Oh, you're telling me. Oh, my word. Mm-hmm. So your husband is at home with healthcare and his mom in a coma. You mm-hmm. have a baby a month early or, you know, 20 days early. Yeah. You're in the hospital now. You come home with a brand new baby and your husband's in a coma. And everybody leaves. Everybody goes back to their life. My mom stayed for a week. And then um, Darius's mom lives in Birmingham, um, but she doesn't drive. And um, so she would come and stay for like a week, mm-hmm. be gone for like two weeks. And so she did that. But by this time, she left when my mom left because she had spent three days with him um, while I was in the hospital. And it, it's a lot of work. I mean, mm, yeah, you know, it's a ton of work. There's medicine. At this point um, in December, there is a feeding tube and there is medicine at every six, eight, and 12 hours, mm-hmm. depending on what it was. And then there's turning him every two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's a lot. So the new year rolls in and a question I'm having as well as I'm listening is, did they ever come to you and say, I mean, was your husband alive because something was breathing for him or was he breathing on his own? Yeah. So when we, um, left the hospital, um, Prior to that, he um, was came off the ventilator. Okay, and he was um, he just had a trach. Okay, and we did a trach because I would not at that point sign the do not resuscitate. Okay, so it would you know that's just the easiest mm-hmm. thing to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he had a trach, and um, but he was he, not on a breathing machine. No. Mm-mm. So the new year comes in. You have a new baby. You're September, October, November. You're like four months in. Yeah. What's the next four months look like? Because I know you said he passed away after eight months. No, a year and nine months. We went oh back to the hospital. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. We, was... were in, we were in a coma state um, for a year and nine months. So the and same thing passed. happens every single day. Same thing. Medicine, rolling medicine. I mean, just it's like Groundhog Day all over again. The yeah, same thing the every same single thing day. Same thing every day, unless there are little spurts where he gets pneumonia and we got to go to the hospital or he gets um, a urinary tract infection and we got to go to the hospital. And um, so, so t- it's the same thing. So question for you, as a wife, what did this do to your relationship? Like, what did you feel like when you journey through this year and nine months, almost two years of your life of having a husband that you were caring for that was completely non-responsive to your words, to your love, to anything. How was that for you? So that was really tough. And, um, so I'm going to share something that I have not shared publicly. And I'm going to share it on your podcast. Even when I wrote the story on my blog, this piece that I'm about to tell you, I did not share. And, um, and I didn't because, um, through this journey, um, there are bits and pieces that I've just totally relied on God to tell me what to do and when to do it. Um, the coma changed my life and I, um, and I was able to see God in a fresh new way. And, 
Um, at that time in the coma, I didn't know what he was doing and I still don't fully know, but you know, now, you know, like when I met you, when I met you, that was the weekend that God called me and said, this is what you are to do Mm. with the rest of your life. So when you get back, you got to close that bakery and you are to share your story and tell people how living the good life with no Jesus is not really the good life. And in an instant, it could all go away. Because mm, you, right? you walk that road. Right. So that, so that all happened when I met you. So I, and it's so amazing to look back and think of all the times that we didn't talk and we were supposed to talk. Mm-hmm. It needed to happen this way because if we had talked then, like I didn't really have anything going on, but now I have the podcast and the blog and I'm able to speak and I'm trying to speak more just because that's my mission. Mm-hmm. Like now he revealed to me that that's my mission. But anyway, so how did that feel as a wife? So rewind back to two weeks into the coma. My life has been crazy. And I look up and I think, oh my gosh, like I did not even tell anyone from Darius's job because he has a pretty good job (laughs) that Mm -hmm. what the heck is going on like Like he just doesn't show up for work yeah like and we weren't on social media or anything like that so we you know I was just like oh my gosh and we didn't have house phones we only had our cell phones it just was weird anyway so you just had a lot going on you forgot to mention to his work yeah. I mean, and so yeah. were they calling? Could they have been calling this phone? Is he fired? Because this is our health insurance. <laughs> right. Like, what in the world? So I, um, you know, they put all of his belongings in a bag, you know. And so I open the closet in, in the hospital and I get that bag out. And I'm like, oh, I got to get a cell phone. So I get his cell phone out. And of course, it has a passcode. And I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah. So I try everything. And finally, you know, right as it's about to be like, it's locked and erased uh-huh. lady. Yeah. Um, I get his passcode and right. And in the whole time you're doing the passcode, you know, if your phone has been off, it's like buzzing and text messages uh-huh. and voicemails and it's going nuts. And so I finally get it right. And, um, and I call his boss and, um, he is like, okay, well, don't listen to any of my voicemails because I was like freaking out that something had happened and blah, blah, blah. So we go through all of that. And he's like, I'm coming up there. And at this point I wasn't wanting to see people. Mm -hmm. This is two weeks into the coma. And so I just said, okay, but I thought, please don't. Yeah. Um, and so I hang up with him and then I go and, um, think, okay, it's like a slew of texts. And so I go through the text. And so anyway, fast forward, he was having three affairs. So when you ask me how I was doing as a wife, Mm. I knew that I was on a mission from God. I've told this before, Jamie, I can't believe I'm at this point, but it's a lot. So I I read it Mm. like a novel. And I just, I'm sitting in the hospital room in the rocking chair next to him. And I'm just floored. I just can't even, I can't catch my breath. Mm -hmm. 
but I keep reading it, right? Like I look back and I, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't have changed anything. You know, that's part of what I tell people is that it, it, it was tough and mm-hmm. the whole thing was devastating, but I wouldn't have changed it because I love my life now. And I'm so grateful to God that he chose to save me because this was all to save me. I wasn't a bad person, but at the end of the day, you want to be with Christ in the end, right? I mean, even as little kids, you learn heaven or hell. So you don't want to go to hell, but so I'm always eternally grateful that he saved me. Wow, you're probably going to have to edit it. Mm. I probably sound horrible, but... Mm -mm. You know, at the end of the day, that's what you want. So I read it like a book and I just, I just don't even know. So, so are you alone in the room when you're reading this? Yep. It's just me and him. And do you talk to him? Oh yeah. Yeah. Because I talked to him from day one. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, I just did. Um, I explained to him everything that was going on every time, mm-hmm. whenever someone would tell me something, you know, um, and I didn't say mean things to him. Um, I just said to him, so I just read your phone. Mm, just like that. That's interesting. And that's it. I didn't say anything else. I didn't have words really mm. because I truly did love him mm-hmm. and that hit me like a freight train and I didn't see that coming. And I, I, I just didn't, I mean, I, I who does, I mean, you know, I mean, no one sees that coming. And so my question now that you've said that you then brought your husband home almost two years later that he is at your house. Did you, um, I mean, you said you loved him and I'm assuming that you forgave him. Um, Am I right? I forgave him right then. Yeah. Um, I forgave him right then. You know, that's when the coma happened, you know, probably when he didn't pass after the three days, I knew that in my heart, I said, okay, God, there's something, Mm -hmm. there's something here. There's something going on. So I knew that there was something and I began to ask God, what is this? Why did you do this? And I tell people all the time, when people say, don't ask God why, it all depends on your posture. Ask him why so that you can, so that he can tell you why and what happens next. Don't ask him why, like in a mean way. You're, I'm asking him why because I need information. There's something you're doing that you would allow me to meet this man a year later, get married a year later, he goes into the coma two years later, he dies. Mm -hmm. There's a reason. And so I'm asking you why, so that I can know the reason. So when that affair thing happened, I, I, it was like, what? Mm -hmm. Well, then the tricky part, was that God said that I couldn't tell anyone. So I didn't. Until when? I told my family and his family um, December 31st of 14. After he had already passed away? Right before he did. Okay. 
right before he did. And how, and how did that go over? Oh, my mom didn't talk to me for two days, literally. Because she was mad that you hadn't said anything? She was hurt. Um, her words to me was, "You, that hurt that you walked through that alone. alone. I, I mean, I get that. She was yeah. hurting for her, her baby. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an only child. So mm-hmm. that yeah. was hurtful. But, you know, I, I didn't know then why he said don't tell anyone. But here's the why now, because I always want people to get this. The reason that, and, and so you must be obedient when God gives you the hard stuff. But the reason that he didn't want me to share it is because then everyone's focus would have been on me. Mm. And everyone's focus would have been on everybody that loves me would have been trying to get me to get out of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like he could stay with his mother or put him in a facility. Right. And, you know, all of that. Well, if all of that happened, then I'm not who I am right now mm-hmm. because I, that had to happen. Same thing with when I said to God, oh my gosh, like, why, why would you let me meet someone, marry them and then do this? Well, if God has a certain plan for your life, then he has to, depending on who you are, get you to a place where you're by yourself. So I said this at the beginning, I'm social, Jamie. I'm, I'm social in everything that I do. I'm pretty social. When I sold real estate. I was at the top of my game. I I was rookie of the year and I knew, you know, I know a lot of people and I do that really well. Well, here in Alabama, I don't know nobody. Uh And I'm in like smallest of small towns Mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and I was in a new construction neighborhood and on my street was, I was, the house that we purchased was at the far end of the street. We were the only house at the far end of the street. If you go down our street and down a hill, there's more houses. So I was literally by myself. Hmm. And when my family hears me tell the story or when they read it on my blog, it's hurtful to them because they feel like they weren't here or they what you know, all of that. And I I say to them, "Uh, I'm not even going to process that because Mm -hmm it had to happen this way. So yeah. don't even take that cross of, I wasn't there enough for you or mm-hmm. it, it, it had to, it's hard. So I imagine, I mean, geez, Louise, finding that out as your husband's in a coma. I mean, I, I, I love the way you talk about like loving your husband and forgiving him, but I would guess that there had to been some animosity sometimes come up and just think like, man, all of that and this, Every time, every time someone says, oh my gosh, y'all just love each other so much. Mm -hmm. And this is just such, every time. There it pops up. I could just like, you know, great visual throw up in my mouth. Like Mm -hmm. every time somebody would say that because, um, you know, throughout that year and nine months, there are different hospital visits, you know, that we are little stints of in the hospital. And when I'm there with him, I do everything. I bathe him. I turn Mm -hmm. him. I'm there. I'm reading to him. I'm talking to him. And I make a big deal, you know, like I I had a couple of problems in the hospital. Like, don't turn his TV off. He's in a coma, but I believe he can hear. So because Mm -hmm. I believe that, don't turn his TV off. Don't, you know, leave stuff on his bed because if he was, uh, 
if he was awake and talking, awake, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't leave, you know, alcohol swabs on his bed and stuff like that. So don't do that. So when people see that kind of care, mm-hmm. then they say those things. But you did truly forgive him, do you think? Oh, all day. All good. But it doesn't I'll, make it easy. All day. I truly, it, it doesn't. It doesn't make it easy. But, you know, I truly did forgive him because one of the things that, I learned because, okay, I'm home by myself all the time and I'm gonna, like, for me, I'm like, I'm all in. Whatever you say, God, I'm all in. Because at that time, I was like, if I'm gonna be all in, because I want him to wake up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I wanna be all in. We're gonna change our life. It was probably, probably about month six when I was giving him a bath and I look at him and I say, oh my gosh, we're going to hell. Like, that's it. We, we, like, I'm talking to him and I say, do you realize that? I said, we live our life, great life, but we don't know him. And we, he's not going to invite us. Like I'd been reading the Bible and listening to sermons. And I was just like, he's not going to allow us to come and live with him. If we don't know him, we don't have a relationship with him. So why would he let us come and live with him just because we are good mm-hmm. it doesn't work that way and so like I'm home by myself just me and him and I'm giving him a bath and I'm saying all of this and I said okay so that's it like I stopped right then and I prayed the salvation prayer because that's what my grandmother taught me when I was a kid and so you know he can't go in and be baptized and you know at that point neither could I because I can't leave the house but Um, And so I did that. What I believe in my heart is that God allowed him to stay in this coma for a year and nine months because when he passed, he just didn't wake up. I mean, it wasn't like anything new happened. Mm -hmm. Right. So I believe that God allowed him to stay in this coma for a year and nine months so that we both could be saved through this because and I believe that, Jamie, because medically, he just didn't wake up. You know what I mean? He just didn't talk. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but his organs were all fine and he was just there. And 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 I will forever believe that God did it that way. Like, he didn't lose weight. He wasn't like, I mean, I'm turning and lifting a 290-pound mm-hmm. man all the time. He didn't lose weight. He never looked frail. He never looked sickly any of that. And I believe that God did that for me because if, if, if he looked frail and lost weight and looked sickly, then I would have been focused on that. Hmm. And God wanted me to focus on him. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if, if, if I didn't forgive him, then I don't, then it doesn't, I don't get better. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, like, People say all the time, oh, well, I forgive so-and-so, but I don't forget it. And, and what I always say to that is, then what you've done is you've put a fence around your heart and you've said, I forgive you, but I'm putting this little fence up because this hurt me or it makes me sad or it makes me depressed and I don't want that feeling to ever come again. So I'm going to protect but, myself. So I'm going to protect myself. Yeah. And... God says, that's not protection and that's not forgiveness. Yeah. Because when you do things, I throw it into the ocean. 
never to be seen again. Mm-hmm. And so as hard as that is, that's what we have to do. Yeah. And so that's what I did. But everyone can't do that with your stuff. Does that make sense? So that's why God didn't want me to tell people because people, everybody can't do that. Like everybody, no matter what would have been like, I don't know why she over there taking care of right. that. Like, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody can't do that. And yeah. so when I did tell them because they had seen the transition of me as a person, yeah. then they didn't focus on that. Right. Yeah. I'm telling you, forgiveness is one of the strongest ways that we as believers get to point people to Jesus. Yeah. Um, because there is, I mean, I think this is a bold statement to say, but there is nothing that is too big to forgive because of what we've been forgiven of. Um, I mean, we've been forgiven of everything that we deserve. Um, Jesus took that on. And so I think that we can say there is nothing too big for us to forgive. Hey guys, we'll get right back to my conversation with Rita. But first, let me tell you about Pine Cove Camps. You've heard me talk about it on here before, and I want to make sure you know about it because summer is not that far away. I know it seems crazy, but it's close. Your kids are going to love going to Pine Cove for a week this summer because they've got camps for first grade through 12th graders, and it's an absolute blast. Our kids have loved it for years, and as a mom, I love how much the staff there model how to love Jesus and serve others. The kids get to do all kinds of awesome activities in a safe and intentional environment away from their technology. I know how good it is for my heart as an adult to go to retreat. And you know what, guys? It's the same true for my kids. You can find out more information about Pine Cove at pinecove.com. That's pinecove.com, and us Ivies love the Pine Cove people. So check them out for your summer camp for your kids, pinecove.com. Okay, here's back to my conversation with Rita. Um, so take me to the very end when your husband passed away. So, um, he just, um, didn't wake up and, um, and at that point, it was literally just like that. It was another day and he just didn't wake up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And were you there? And he was, um, in, I was not there at that, Mm -hmm. um, point. Um, he was in, um, the hospital. So I wasn't there. Um, and at that point we had the do not resuscitate. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because probably about three months before that we had had a hard pneumonia road, Mm -hmm. um, in the hospital. And, um, and they, at that point said, you know, we don't think he's going to make it out of this. I mean, he had pneumonia like five times. Mm -hmm. So this time they um, said that he probably wouldn't make it out of this. And so I said, Um, and so they said, so we need to revisit the whole, do not resuscitate thing and know where you are because Mm -hmm. this is, you know, a little tough on his body and know where you are. And so, you know, tough, tough decision. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, I did it and I had a lot of tough decisions. I mean, we had a lot of different illnesses and, um, different things that popped up during that year and nine months. Um, so, Um, that was really tough. And his mom, um, I got, you know, his mom and I did not agree. And so that was really tough. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I said to my mom, like, you know, at that point I was selfish. And I said to my mom, like, what does she want me to do? Like, I, I don't know what she wants. And so my mom, you know, always practical. She got right in my face and she was like, that is her baby. Mm -hmm. 
she is not, she cannot help you with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, she cannot help you make this decision. It, it, no, you do what God tells you to do and you move on. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I did. And so I consulted with every single doctor that we had. And, um, and they all said, if you believe in God, it doesn't matter what this paper says. If he's going to make it, he's going to make it. So mm-hmm. I signed it. And he passed away when? Um, he passed away June um, 20th. Okay. 2014. 14. And so, um, and so I signed it and, um, and then he, he passed. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was tough. Yeah. I, I cannot even imagine. Um, was there any part of you that just kind of sighed a little bit of relief that this horrendous journey that you had been on was, was over, even though it meant losing your husband? Mm, yeah. 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 That's hard um, to say, but I mean, it's a year and nine months. I know. I remember, I mean, the reason I asked that is because I, I remember my grandmother walked through, you know, five years of dealing with taking care of her husband. And I just remember at the end, it was almost like we all kind of were just going, just go home. Like just, this is a lot. Um, it's a lot on my grandma. It's a lot on your body. Just go home, you know? And so there is this sadness that you've lost someone, but the reality is you lost him a year and nine months earlier. Um, I mean, almost, if you look at it that way. Um, so there's the sadness that you're losing someone, but there's also this like, man, just be free from this body that has failed you, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it definitely was, um, one of those times where you, you know, um, I chose my closet as my place, um, early on into the coma. I would, um, cause I had kids. So I would come in, in my closet and just break down. Mm. And, um, I, you know, right before I remember saying, what is left? What is left, God, that I'm not getting, that I'm missing? Either wake him up or let this be over. But mm-hmm. what is it that I'm missing? Show me, tell me, because this is hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it. This is tough. It. It just. It was, and so I, you know, I just said, whatever your will is, just please do it, because I, I can't take it. I mean, like there are just certain things that happen, and so, um, you know, I can remember. The, you know, I live in a small town again. So all we have is Walmart. That's our grocery store. And, um, that's our Walmart. I mean, that's everything. So, um, I can remember, um, right before school started being in Walmart. And if you ask me what's in my Walmart, I can tell you where it is, what aisle it's on, what shelf it's on. Right. Mm -hmm. Because if I had to go to the store, I had to do it in record time. Mm. And so, um, I, I could do it really fast. And so I can remember being in this store and um, racing and like, DJ, go get this and Ryan, do this and racing, racing, racing. And I n- will never forget this. I'm on the aisle with the frozen foods and I'm trying to find corn and I'm like getting frustrated, so frustrated. And DJ is bringing things back and he brought back the wrong cereal. And, and then he looks at me and he says, why are we rushing and so I was like, you know why we're rushing. We cannot be gone from home, but for like five to seven minutes. And he was like, he died. Mm. And I put my 
half of my body <laughs> in the freezer section and cried. Mm. And he just walked away and went to get the cereal. That was right. Yeah. And so it took a minute. I say that because I always want people to know that it's not instant. It takes Mm -hmm. a minute. Whatever God is doing in your life, it's a process. And it's not easy, but just kind of be in it. And, and and go through whatever it is because it, it did. It took a minute. Wow, Rita, that I'm just I'm I'm in awe of so many things about your story. I'm in awe of the way that um that God changed your life through this um disaster and something that we hope none of us have to walk through. But I'm guessing that some of us are that are listening are walking through hard times right now. Um if we're not walking through them right now, they're they're on the horizon. And so thank you for sharing your story and the way that God moved you through that. Uh, it's mm. great. Okay. It's great. There are 8,000 things we did not get to talk about today. <laughs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> but we got the good stuff. Um, but I can't not go without hearing your three favorite things and what you're reading. Yes. So I am a huge happy hour fan. So I could not wait. You're to so to sweet. My um, three favorite things. I love, love, love your show, which is why that's how we I wanted to meet you at mm-hmm. Influence because I was like, oh man, I just got to meet her. She just show thing. And at that point, you, when I found you, you were, I guess, new. I mean, this is show number whatever. You're in the 70s now. Yeah. The, yeah. I just released 76 last week. So yeah. I mean, you're like sm- sailing, but I mm-hmm. found you at like 20 and you were like, I hope people like this thing. <laughs> is there anyone listening out there is what I was thinking. <laughs> if anybody is listening to this, yeah. I'm loving it. So get on board, people, because I'm loving it. So um, I couldn't wait to share my three favorite things. So one that I'm loving right now is um, there's this line of um, perfume and skincare stuff, and it's called Joe Malone. Mm, and I have not heard of this. Oh, I'm so, let me just tell you this. And, and this is because you are a girlfriend type person. Mm-hmm. So this is the best thing ever. I'm so sending it to you. Oh, so girl, I love it. It's a scrub and you use it when you're in the shower, but it makes your skin feel like heaven. Mm. And it is the best thing ever. So my mom gave it to me and it's one of my mom's favorite things. So my mom is, a girlfriend person too. So what she'll do is if it's her absolute favorite thing, that's what all of her girlfriends get for Christmas. I love that. So that was one of her favorite things anyway. So uh, I got it. And so I said, Oh, when Jamie asked me this, I'm sending it to her because it is so amazing. Oh, anyway, perfect. So I should have all my guests in your three favorite things. <laughs> yes. That should be in your, in that's your in the contract. Right. In your three favorite things. So we can talk about that. Right. <laughs> but so that body scrub, I'm loving that. And then um, I, okay, so you live in Texas, so you will know this, but in Texas, there's a grocery store called H-E-B. Mm-hmm. For all Which you is where I get my favorite coffee from, by the way, if people listen before. Yep, go ahead. Okay. So, yes, totally loving Texas pecan <gasps> from H-E-B. Is this your like, second thing? That's my second thing. You know it's my favorite coffee. I know. <gasps> So Love. when you said you loved it, which was a while ago, uh-huh. I um, I said to my family in Texas, hello, people, I need to try that mm-hmm. coffee. 
And so one of my cousins who um, was just appointed a judge in Houston and she's the first black judge. I just had her on my podcast and Ooh. she sent me first black judge in Houston in, um, Oh gosh. In this city. This, like, okay. Love county, it. Yeah. Um, so she sent me some and I, it was like, Oh my gosh. You loved it. I know so, it. I love Texas Pecan, but they also do Austin, Houston, and San Antonio. Did you know that? Like, I do know that. I have not tried Austin, which is ironic because I live here. I have tried the San Antonio. Okay, I like that one. And I don't know if I've tried Houston because here's my problem, and I think I've said this before on here. My new HUB in my new town does not have Texas Pecan by itself in a box. I have to buy the variety pack. that. Which drives me crazy because all I really want is a Texas pecan, but they make me buy this whole variety pack. So oh, I wouldn't be a fan of that either. Mm-mm. So yes. So that's my second favorite thing. Okay, I love it. Because I love it. And um, and then my last favorite thing, which is also a beauty product. And if anybody knows me, I'm not a girly girl, but there are some things that I just love. So there's which everybody may have, but my mom just sent me, because this is one of her favorite things, this Clarisonic brush for you to do your face. It like spins. Mm. Was it oh. like get all the dead cells, off, skin cells off or something? Yes, but it's, it, it, so you put like a little dab of your face soap or whatever mm-hmm. on it and then turn it on and it just vibrates all over your face and washes your face for you. That sounds amazing. And you know what I could do with that is I could give that to my daughter's story and she would do it for me. And I would just lay down on the bed. There you go. And act like I'm at the spa. And she so would. And she would do it because she's, you know, loves it. Cause she's kind of, I, everything time you talk about her, I think she's a girly girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah, so you love it. So that's okay. I love those three things. What are you reading? I am now reading breaking busy by Allie. Oh, by Allie. Yes. I I was a pre-order person when she said she was coming out with that. And so I just got it. And are you liking? And I'm liking that. It's really good. Good. I think she's coming on the show in a couple months. Oh, okay, good. I can't wait. But yeah, I'm liking it. It's really good. And I'm not one of those people who are like, after I ordered it, I was like, I'm not really, like, I don't really let my schedule do that for me. I don't mm-hmm. get all busy like that. But she has great, there's great nuggets in there. It's a good book. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I'm reading Party Girl, which um, is a book written by someone that's been on my show. So that was fun. Rachel Hollis, who was on earlier this year. Yes, um, such we'll, a great interview. Yes, I loved it so much. And she'll be at the live show as well. Um, it was her first book that she wrote. So that's what I'm reading. Hey, so I know that this is not about you, um, and mm-hmm. you always say that when people talk about you uh-huh. instead of them, but you can edit this out. I don't care. That live show thing is such an awesome idea, and were you, like, shocked that it sold out that fast? Because I couldn't even get tickets that sold out so fast. Girl, shocked is not even, like, the correct word. I mean, literally, I've been throwing this idea around for a while. Knox, uh, the guy who... Um, edits and does a bunch for my show, which if anyone's doing a podcast yeah. and needs an editor, he's amazing. But we've been talking about this for a long time. And, you know, Aaron and I moved to our new house and we have this land and we want to host events. It's just, we like to do that. And so I thought I'm going to do this. And I went back and forth on ticket prices. Cause I just, it was just all these feelings of, I don't know, just, you know, but anyhow, I put it up just out of, I mean, 
I, I could not believe it. I put that set, I put a show up, like just a podcast episode that was like mm-hmm. three minutes long on February 1st. Yep, I remember. At like seven or whatever. And in an hour and a half, all the 50 tickets were gone. And people were like, wait, I didn't even know about it. And so yep. then I said, okay, I'm going to put 50 up in the morning. And in 13 minutes, they were gone. I mean, yeah. literally, I looked at my computer and I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> what just happened? And oh it's my in gosh. March, right? Yeah, 120 women are coming to my house. Isn't that crazy? That's that I, I it's that's so fun. That's I'm like so excited. I'm excited for a bunch of reasons. Number one, because these people love the happy hour and I'm telling you, I am so proud of the happy hour and I just am like so excited about what we get to do each week. And um some of these women are flying in, which is crazy to me. And I'm so I excited. Saw on Instagram, um, you said something and somebody commented um that they it's a girls' trip for them. I, I know. But the thing is, too, I, I hope to do these. I don't know how many I'll get in this year. At least two for sure. I would like to do this quarterly. So there's that. Oh, well, then there you go, people. Yeah, yeah. You do it quarterly, so sit go. tight. Sit tight. We're going to do it again. Awesome. Uh, hey, Rita, thank you so much for being on the happy hour. Oh, man. Thanks, Jamie, for having me. It's great. Thanks for, like, trusting me and the happy hour listeners with your story. And, man, I just hope as I was listening, I'm like, man, there are so many nuggets that even if my husband's not in a coma and even if I'm like not wrestling through these particular things that you're talking about, there are so many things that are true to so many of our circumstances. So thank you for being faithful and thank you for sharing. Oh, thank you so much. It's great. Awesome. Okay. Bye. Bye. Guys, I'm not sure that you were ready for what you just heard, right? Pregnant plus your husband in a coma plus reading his text messages about other women crazy right there. But I want to thank Rita for her vulnerability and her honesty that she shared today. And I hope that you were able to take parts of her story and be encouraged, inspired, and challenged through it, even though it may not look like what you're walking through. I also want you to remember that the books we talked about at the end, you can find those at jamieivy.com slash happy hour books. Before we go, I want to tell you about the last sponsor for this week's episode, and that's Prep Dish. You've heard me talk about them before. We want to thank Prep Dish because they're doing something really great for us moms and women is they're creating a healthy subscription-based meal planning service. A lot of times you don't see subscription-based meal planning plus healthy together, and Prep Dish is doing that for you. Each week you're going to receive an email that contains a grocery list plus instructions for preparing your meals ahead of time. So then you're going to take that, buy your groceries, and then you're going to spend about two to three hours prepping your meals for the entire week. Guys, did you hear what I said? You're going to spend about two to three hours prepping your meals for the entire week. And then every week at like Thursday when your kids are like, what's for dinner? What's for dinner? You already have it figured out. Allison over at Prep Dish, she's offering you Happy Hour listeners a special rate of $4 for your first month. That's a dollar for a weekly meal plan. A dollar a week for a meal plan. So $4 for your first month. You're going to love it. Go visit prepdish.com slash happy hour to start today. Use the code happy hour. Guys, thank you so much for listening today. Remember, everything that we chatted about is going to be up on my website, jamieivy.com. I'd love to hear from you. I really would. Find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook and share with me something that you love from this episode. Today's show is edited by Knox McCoy. The music is from Jason Poe. And next week's guest is Jesse R.T. from the blog Style and Pepper and the podcast Marriage is Funny. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend and go have a happy hour with a friend. I'll see you next week. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. 
Well, it's spring and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music. Just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. <laughs> 